on the line with us, independent economist Cameron Bagri. Hey, Cameron. Hey, Cameron. Uh, good afternoon. So, mate, we've just been, the text machine's blown up here, Cameron. Is the the, the increase to this minimum wage by $1.50 an hour up to twenty two seventy? is it going to cause inflation and is it going to destroy a lot of the small business in this country? Well, let's look at two sides of the coin, all right? The glass half full side of what they've done is that, if possible, you want to maintain people's living standards, which basically means you kind of hope that wages, incomes, will naturally adjust in line with inflation. Glass half empty. And this is the real problem at the moment, is that central banks around the globe are are scared of the 1970s playbook in regard to inflation. And this is how it worked. Inflation was high. Workers got out and demanded additional compensation to match the cost of living increases. That adds to business costs. You increase business costs, that adds to inflation. And welcome to the old mouse on the X's. Uh, exercise well, and it goes round and round, and that's what central banks are very concerned about at the moment. And you've got to break that spiral, and it's and it's not a pleasant spiral to break because you're basically telling people to take it an income adjustment on the downside, and that's both politically and economically difficult. But welcome to the real world where containing inflation is, is not what you call friendly. And we don't like inflation, and we don't like the bitter pill on the other side either. Mm. Cameron, they've increased the minimum wage. Why wouldn't it be better to give uh, minimum wage workers uh, a tax cut? Well, you're still putting money into people's pockets. But to me, there's a, the real issue here is that, look, on some levels, increasing the minimum wage is a hell of a lot better policy than the likes of what they did with the fuel subsidy. You know, extending the fuel subsidy, just putting money in people's pockets, the likes of myself, and... Yeah, you know, I yeah. shouldn't really get that money. You, know, you, you want it to be better targeted. So the ideal mechanism, if you want someone to ultimately targeted at those most in need, you'd be expanding working for families. Yeah, you know, tax cuts to me are, are just not fiscally affordable. I'd like to see what I call tax thievery fixed. Yeah, you know, that's the impact of your know, incomes go up and you just end up in a higher tax bracket. And yeah. that's a big five hundred billion dollar gain to the government each year. So you get about tax cuts, but are certainly in favour of stopping the tax thievery. Can I ask one more question before you go? In Australia, I think they don't tax the first 20-odd thousand, might be 14,000 earned. Why don't we do that here? Uh, bottom line with that one is that it costs you a hell of a lot of money. So right. it's, it's, it's fiscally prohibitive. And where we sit at the moment is that New Zealand faces some real awkward challenges going forward. We're in, we're in a good position because we've got low levels of debt. But if you ever look at the quality of New Zealand's infrastructure, it's rubbish. You ever look at the potholes across the country mm. at the moment. The health system is borderline dysfunction. No, we've got major problems across the education sector as well. And what you saw up in Auckland in regard to this big parts of New Zealand are now vulnerable to this thing called flood risk. There was a yeah. report out by NEWA in 2019 that said 411,000 buildings are prone to flood risk. Yeah. About one-fifth of the roading network, one-third of the rail network. Now, when it comes to a choice between tax cuts versus fixing New Zealand infrastructure, fixing the education sector, I know I'd take the latter over the former. Yeah, good. Cameron, great to get your Thank thoughts, you. mate. Cameron Bagri, uh, independent economist.